Welcome to Seed Time Living. This is where we help you transform your financial life using timeless biblical principles. I'm your host, Bob Loddick, and I'm so glad to have you here today. We are continuing our conversation about five wealth secrets that the 96% do not know. Mm-hmm. So if you've been with us, this is the last week of this book study that we're doing. So you can check out the other episodes to kind of get caught up if yeah. you'd like. It's a little bit of an accidental book study. Yeah, we didn't intend to do a book study. <laughs> we just kind of found ourselves in here because I, I started reading it. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I think I was on chapter two. And I'm like, this is so good. And so we shared that first, actually. And then we kind of decided, all right, let's just do this whole book study. So tonight is the last mm-hmm. of the five chapters. And there's been some really good stuff in here. I think my favorite was chapter two. I think that one was really good. Um, so definitely check that one I'll out. Focus on vision. Uh, but yeah, I think the first one was really good. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's just really been a good book, and I'm surprised because I do not often read a lot of financial books. <laughs> but this one, I've been like, oh my gosh, this is there's so... just some good revelation in here. Yeah, yeah. and it's just some rich stuff. So I mean, basically, the premise of it. Or to kind catch of up what, anyone who's just joining us. Yeah, what what got me excited and interested in this book in the first place was you read me the beginning. This is just in the introduction. And it is a man talking to his accountant. And yeah. he says, tell me honestly, who is more prosperous? Who has larger financial statements, your Jewish clients or your Christian clients? And he says, the Jewish clients... He basically says, well, why? And he said, because a lot of the Christians can tell you kind of the chapter and verse of where something says, where it says what it says. But the people of the Jewish faith are actually just living out these principles. They might not be able to tell you what book of the Bible it's in, but they are living But they're living it out and they teach their kids these principles. Yeah. And that was kind of like the thing. I that was kind of it's like really a slap powerful. in the face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we know the scripture and verse, but are we actually living it out? Yeah. Are we actually teaching it? I and mean, so a couple of you were asking what book. It's by Craig Hale, Five mm-hmm. Wealth Secrets, 96% of Us Do Not Know. Mm-hmm. The link should be in the description okay. so you can check it out there for more information. But we're going to get into this fifth wealth secret today, mm-hmm. which is directly out of Proverbs 13.22. The principle expressed in Proverbs 13.22, a good man leaves inheritance to his children's children. Right. So while the 96% struggle to pay their own bills and leave a small inheritance to their children, the 4% think generationally and leave a significant legacy and inheritance for at least two subsequent generations. Which I think we were talking about this last week, how it is really difficult to think long term. And that is what this whole thing is about yeah. is... Yeah. What's going to happen to not just your children, but after that? Yeah. <laughs> and how and can I think you help them? That's one of my favorite things about this book and the way that Craig thinks is everything is thinking way beyond. He's mm-hmm. not thinking in terms of months or years. Like he's thinking in terms of decades. I just like that really long-term thinking mm-hmm. because like as a Christian, one of the cool things too is that this is how God thinks and God right. operates you know, so certainly God is interested in our present need and our present circumstances, but he also is interested in the much longer term time frame of who we are going to become and mm-hmm. who he's created us to be. And, and he's patient. I just like yeah. that a lot. That and feels meaty. bringing it back down to earth, like Jesus is our example. And it talks about for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And yeah, that's long term like, thinking. 
it is easy to forget that Jesus was actually a human because he was half God, <laughs> half man, but he was still a human. And it says that he struggled with the same things we struggle with. And yeah. so I'm sure this is part of that. You know, he was Jesus after all. So it's like he could have protected himself from the whole thing, but he chose not to. And so just well, as yeah, our in example. Yeah, the garden, he's asking God, like, if there's further. any way, Father, if there's any way <laughs> I can get out can of this. Please get out of this. Like, is there anything else yeah. we can do? So I can't blame him. I mean, we're laughing, but it's like that was the most horrific thing to just be sitting there waiting for your death. Yeah. And you're well, and knowing what it's going to be. Brutal, yeah. awful beating and everything else. Yeah. yeah. All right. Separation so, from God, too. For anybody who hasn't been tracking with us on this, part of this whole book is told through a story. I'll just read a section here. It says, Papa continued, a few years ago, I explained to Isaac a secret that our family and many in our community have practiced for centuries. In our community, each generation has always felt a responsibility to help the next two generations get started. And I really like this a lot. This, again, thinking long term. Mm -hmm. I just love that idea. Like, we don't have grandkids yet. We barely have kids. You know, we have three <laughs> little kids. But, you know, God willing, we're going to have grandkids someday. We say we barely have kids. <laughs> no, we, we definitely have trenches. kids. We have kids, no doubt. Um, but my point is, it's going to be a while before yeah. grandkids. And, yeah, I want to start thinking about that. That's cool. All right, let's go back to Proverbs thirteen twenty two. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So what he goes on to explain here, and I'll read this in just a second, it doesn't say he leaves inheritance to his children. It specifically says to his children's children. So he says, interesting, if you think about it, that the principle is to leave the inheritance to the grandchildren rather than to the children. Most people, if they have an inheritance at all, they leave it to their children at their death. However, when do people need the most help of an inheritance from past generations? In their 20s, when they're just getting started, mm -hmm. or when they're in their what are 50s or 60s when their parents might be dying? And, of course, the answer is in the 20s, you know, it was like when right. you're really trying to get, you know, things up and running to get started. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just a really interesting insight that I've never thought of with that verse. Like, yeah, I haven't either. kind of specifically referencing, it doesn't say children and their children. It says children's children. That's just kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, and I mean, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and she and her husband were having this discussion about how they were going to help their kids, like, buy their first car, basically. Yeah. And it was something that they hadn't really thought about and hadn't really talked about yet. And it got me thinking about it, honestly. And then I read this, and I thought, I never really thought about it this way. Like, I think the way I grew up, maybe, it just felt like, well, you need to buy your own car, and you need to... Yeah, get a there, job and make and money and do something to that, like teaching personal responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. But being a 16 or 17 year old kid trying to buy your first car, trying to buy something that's reliable and, yeah. you know, that your parents feel comfortable with you driving, especially if you're a girl. Because um, <laughs> girls, you know, we get to <laughs> get a little bit more, you know, a little nicer of a car, I guess. But thinking about that, it's like you immediately go into debt. That's like, okay, mm -hmm. you're an adult now. You get to go straight into debt. Yeah. And thinking about it through this lens, I think the other side of that is, well, you have to teach them responsibility. Mm -hmm. But through this lens of this book, it's like you're teaching them responsibility all along so that when it's time for them to get a car, yep. you can help them get a car and they're not going to be completely irresponsible with it. They realize yeah. the value of what it is, right? Yeah. Do you think that? No, absolutely. And he addresses some of that responsibility in a minute. We'll get to it. Okay. 
Anyway, let me keep reading this to you. So he says, this is kind of like an explanation of what this might look like. He says, for example, my brother, Isaac's uncle, has three children. When each of these children was married in their 20s, they each started out living in an apartment and began developing their careers. However, when it came time for them to buy a house, none of them went to a bank to take out a 30-year mortgage. Their parents and grandparents had anticipated the coming needs several decades ago and had preserved the money in their savings jar to purchase each of their grandchildren a house for cash. Thus, the family effectively became the bank for each succeeding generation. That's cool. That is super cool. Being able to bypass the bank, mm-hmm. not having to go get a mortgage, but to kind of make your own family the bank, like that's really cool. Yeah. I just haven't really thought about that, but I really like that idea. Okay, so one of the things he was talking about earlier in this book is this idea that so many of us, particularly in the West, have voluntarily, you know, and in some cases not, but in many cases voluntarily just come under creditors and allowed them to be our masters. Mm-hmm. The one proverb that talks about how the borrower is slave to the lender. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of us have chosen slavery. to be slavery yeah. because of this. And part of what he was talking about there was this idea that we have the opportunity to help our children bypass that. Mm-hmm. And so and part of this is that by helping them to buy a house when they're ready, by proactively right. saving and helping them bypass some of that debt that so many of us just take on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a cool idea. So this is another idea, and like I said, we'll come back. I'm just kind of following through the pace of the chapter. But he says here that anyone can pay off a house with a standard income in 10 years. Basically, anyone who's following these five wealth secrets. I went and ran the numbers on these just to kind of see. Like, we ended up paying off our house in three years, which is a miracle. We have another video where we talk about kind of the miracle of all that. But just real quick. If you're trying to pay off debt, if it's credit cards, because we notice this with our credit cards, we mm-hmm. notice this with our car loans, we weren't paying those off, and we notice with this with our house. When you step out in faith to do it, when you take what you have, what your ability is, and you in faith pray, ask God, and start marching towards that goal, I can all but guarantee you, you're going to see God show up and support you and move you faster down that path. Yeah. It happened for us in all three instances. I mean, I've been helping people with money for the last 12 or 13 years now. I've been talking to people online for this long. I can tell you over and over and over (laughs) and over again, I hear the same story. It's nonstop. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to pay off any debt, get your house paid off, do it with God, lean into that, and you're going to see cool things happen. Yeah. So back to this 10-year thing. So I ran the numbers on this. So let's take a $250,000 house at 3% interest rate or something. Okay. So if you only pay $1,500 a month extra over and above your current payment will get you down to paying off that house in 10 years, which seems like a lot. $1,500 a month is like a lot extra for some people to come up with. But, you know, there's a lot of people who create some sort of side hustle or side business that can generate that much income. And you plug that into it and you just shortened your 30-year mortgage down to 10 years. Okay. And then there's two other scenarios I want to give you. So even if you can't pay $1,500 a month, even if you can only contribute $500 a month towards your mortgage, you now have shaved off 12 years off that mortgage. So just by $500 extra a month, you go from having a 30-year mortgage down to a, what would that be, 18-year mortgage. So like that... 500 bucks a month. Like, that's not too insane. That's a car payment for some people. And then let's just go down to $250 a month. So you might think that, okay, well, 12 years, it would only be six years, but it actually saves off eight years. It shaves off eight years. 
So if you can only pay $250 extra a month, you've just shaved off eight years of your 30-year mortgage. So point is, is that anything extra you can pay, it's making a dent, it's making a lot of progress. And I thought that was kind of cool yeah. seeing that breakdown. All right. So let's kind of come back to the previous point that we were talking about here. Mm-hmm. And this is really cool. So he said, we got an idea of how we could set up a perpetual fund to provide houses for our grandchildren in all future generations. We prayed and felt impressed from God that we were not to simply give each child a house without any accountability. We were to lend each married child the money at no interest to buy a house, and they were to pay back the loan over 10 years. So that was kind of his plan, not to just give all the money to the kids to buy a house, not to buy the house for them, but to loan it without interest and then have them pay it back over 10 years. And then he said the money would not be paid back to us personally, but it would be transferred into a trust and the funds of which would be invested for multiplication. Then some 20, 25 (laughs) years later, when our children's children were grown, married and ready to purchase a house, there would be plenty of money in the fund to buy each of our grandchildren a house for cash. This is really cool. And he said, by doing this, we're living out Proverbs 13, 22, providing inheritance for our children's children. Mm -hmm. And then we're also helping future generations in our family opt out of the financial system of debt slavery. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really good. I love that. I love that idea. I love that long-term thinking. Mm -hmm. And so he goes on to say something else. And this is amazing. This is the power of a trust like set up for a long, long time, like Mm -hmm. 100 years or something like that. He says, we learned that if we follow this plan for just four generations under specified parameters, which are not unusual or abnormal, any family trust could end up with as much as $50 million available to purchase houses for their great-grandchildren. That is like, there's too much money there. <laughs> that, that feels insane. And like, I think most people are like, there's no way ever. But if you look at any chart just showing, all right, this much invested consistently. Like the most important variable there is the length of time. Mm. I was just looking at a chart the other day showing, basically comparing a 20-year-old who invested $2,000 in an IRA for three years versus a 40-year-old who invested $2,000 every single year up until retirement. The 20-year had like five or 10 times more money by just investing three years than the 40-year-old who did it for 25 years. The amount of time is the thing that really matters. And Mm -hmm. so if you have some money that you can have invested for 70, 80, 100 years, like that kind of time frame, it's like that adds up like crazy. And so that's what's really, really cool, just getting Mm -hmm. longer and longer timeline kind of with your thinking. and, And I love that. I remember hearing, I think Ben Franklin did a lot of this and set up a whole bunch of trusts that were, I think, established to basically pay for libraries and build mm-hmm. libraries all over the country and stuff like that. And and they're all like self-sustaining because they're earning enough money to pay for the libraries and take care of them and then still grow. And anyway, it's just fascinating to me, people who can think like that long term. Yeah. Well, anyway. I was thinking about like the St. Louis Zoo is free, right? It wasn't that the same kind of thing? Yeah. I don't know if it was that same idea, if it was a trust or not, but that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, St. Louis has a fantastic a really zoo for anybody who's interested. Supposedly, yeah. it's number two in the country right behind San Diego, but mm-hmm. but it's free, it's free, which is kind of amazing. And I've always wondered, like, who did that? Like, how is this how free? Because it's an amazing yeah. zoo. It's not a rinky-dink <laughs> thing, you know? Yeah, it really is good. But I think the botanical gardens in St. Louis is the same way, isn't it? Well, it's I mean, not it's not free, but it's really not that expensive. I know they have donors and stuff, but I don't know. It's just interesting to think of the amount of things that can happen or that have happened already. Yeah. Based on just this idea. Yeah. Of multiplication. I love it. 
Okay, so this is interesting. So he says, question here a lot of us have is, what happens if one of your children defaults on their payment to the family trust? You know, this is a question I think all parents would be asking. And I don't know if this is the case all the time, but he said, I clearly explained to each of our children that if they ever missed a payment, they were not cheating us, but they were stealing from their own children. The money is not going back to us, but rather into a fund to purchase houses for their own children. As a result, neither of them ever missed a payment. So it's worked very well for us so far. Someone who doesn't have this type of training growing up, I could see them being like, well, our kids won't mind. We'll just give it to them later. You know what I mean? To me, the whole point of this is that it's backed up by something solid. Well, yeah. And like the training component, he's teaching his kids about money. I mean, presumably all their years growing up. Right. That's kind of like a lot of how this book is laid out, kind of a father teaching the kids Mm -hmm. some of these principles and stuff. So I assume that. Yeah, I love the idea that it's like you can help your kids get started Mm -hmm. on such a, the right foot. Yeah, and I think, back to that previous point, I think both pieces are essential. Like the education component, because we Mm -hmm. all know 18-year-olds who... We would never want to entrust them with anything. I was one of those. But there are, you know, wise kids. And I think we have the opportunity to raise our kids to teach them these principles so that they're Mm -hmm. able to handle a blessing like that. Right. And benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just talking to a girl today and she, well, she's not a girl. She's a woman. She's 25. And she was just telling me how this year she paid taxes and she's like, it's the first time I paid taxes because no one ever told me that I had to pay taxes. I was like, isn't it so surprising that we're not being taught this? Like this is not just common knowledge. Well, and this goes back to the original point you were making about Jews just being in general. These are broad generalizations. Like I've had many people comment on the video we made about that saying, well, that's not my case. I'm a Jew. That's not my case. And that's fine. We're making broad generalizations right. here. But just that that's more deeper, more consistent part of the Jewish faith is that they're teaching their kids about money. They're mm-hmm. teaching them these principles. Yeah. And you know, and honestly, just a lot of Christians are freaked out about money and yeah. don't understand like the true biblical perspective of it. And as a result, I think our own lives are struggling, our own financial lives, and then our kids are as well, you know? Yeah. All right. So question to ask just looking at the end of this you know i'll ask you anybody who's on here let me know in the comments like what have you done like how have you prepared for proverbs thirteen twenty two? this idea of a good man leaving an inheritance for his children's children like mm-hmm. have you done anything because in our case i feel like we probably haven't i can't think of anything i don't think so one other thing i will add here because i think it's worth noting that I think inheritance is more than just money. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a really important kind of distinction to make because we all know that money in and of itself, there's no, there's no benefit here, you know? Right. So I think leaving a godly example, leaving, uh, yeah, leaving our kids with the lessons that they need to be men and women of God is mm-hmm. probably the most valuable thing that we can do. But I don't think there's anything wrong with leaving some financial or material things to help them along their journey as well. Do you think that because of the way our society is run, and I'm really talking about America because this is my experience. It's what we know. Yeah. Yeah. We're a little more familiar with it. (laughs) But it almost seems like if I knew someone that had a house bought for them, I'd kind of be like, (laughs) well, must be nice. Your parents must be loaded. Like, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth and almost have this thing of like, 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like it came too easy. Like you just have everything handed to you and you never worked a day in your life. And I, it almost feels like that to me. Well, I mean, but But, that's interesting. I mean, he didn't flat out buy the houses for him. I mean, it was a loan. But also what's wrong with him flat out buying the houses for them? If that's going to get them off on the right foot and keep them out of debt. Yeah. No, I mean, it's tricky because I, I think of many struggles and challenges that I went through that have helped me become mm-hmm. who I have become. And without those struggles and challenges, yeah, I don't think I would have as much fruit. So I do see the benefit of going through those struggles. And that's where, you know, I think we just have to pray and hear specifically what God has for us to do in yeah. each instance. You know, I think there's a time to struggle. There's a time we were just reading today. We have these three, four little baby birds up uh, <laughs> on the front of our house in this little nest. There's and, five. There were five in there. And I went up there with selfie stick <laughs> camera because I wanted to get a video of them. And as soon as I went up, they all just like jumped out real fast. And I was all nervous. I'm like, well, did I just kill them? Because they flew down. They didn't like crash, but they were all like jumping all over the yard. And I, they I, couldn't. You, you can they tell couldn't they can't get back, fly back up to and the nest. I'm like, did I just kill all these birds? And so I started Googling and reading on some of these bird websites <laughs> to make sure I didn't kill them. And basically they're, what is the word? I forgot what the word is. They're, I can't remember either. They're not, they're, they have all the feathers and they're, they're in this phase where it's good for them to be on the ground. And, and it said, if they're the alien looking ones, you actually should, if they're still pink or something, you should pick them up by your hand and put them back in there. It said, myth busting here. It says that you can touch them. The mom will still come back. But they said if all the feathers are on them and they're big enough, they just look kind of clumsy. They said, don't put them back up in the nest. It's actually good for them to struggle. It's part of their development. And if you put them back up in the nest, Mm -hmm. then they aren't going to be able to develop fully like the the proper way. Point there is that sometimes it's good for us to struggle. Sometimes it's good for us to go through that. But I think that as we pray, God will make that clear to us Mm -hmm. what that situation is for our kids. But on the other hand, like there are things or blessings that both of us have walked in that we have been handed to us via some form of privilege or blessing or something, and it has allowed us to move forward faster in certain yeah. areas. And so if we can do that for our kids and it can be a blessing and not a curse, it's like, why not? Yeah, that's right? what I think. Our intention after this, I think, is to teach our kids this exact same thing. I mean, you've yeah. walked through this a little bit with Alden. He's six. He's our oldest, where you've talked about, okay, let's – we're going to save this. We're going to give this. We're going to spend this much. And he's a little bit like, why? Like, he well, doesn't quite get it yet. Yeah, we're, it is funny, like, trying to teach a six-year-old about money because he actually has a really generous heart. But, well, yeah, we're just trying to find that balance because yeah. he's like, mom, like, he fills up his piggy bank. He's got, like, $10 in there or something like that. And he comes, mom, I'm going to give you all my money. Here's all yeah. my money. <laughs> and I'm like, well... Which is you fine. Can do it's so that. generous. You can do that, but why don't you just a couple bucks and go buy <laughs> buy mom a present? Like I yeah. think that would make her. I think she'll like that just a little bit more. I had a friend who, when she turned eighteen, she got I don't know, like twenty thousand dollars or something. I can't remember what it was for, and she was like, "All right, I got twenty thousand dollars." She went. I mean, she blew that money in like a year or two. I'm not kidding. And she was eighteen years old. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the heck did you buy with it? She has nothing to show for it now. I'm sure the intention was, oh, this could pay for college. This could pay for, you know, whatever. But instead, she went and bought a new car and, you know, made a couple really terrible decisions and squandered it. Warren Buffett has a quote about this that I like. And I don't, I don't remember it exactly. Maybe somebody who does know it, you can post it in the comments. 
but it's you should leave your kids enough money that they can they do, can do anything. anything, but not enough that they don't have to do anything or right. something like that. He's got to figure this problem out, you know, because right. obviously he's got $50 billion or something. And so this is something that he really has to think through. And everything I've heard from him, like, I don't think he's leaving tons of money to his kids. But, you <laughs> know, like, a, a you'll tiny be fine. fraction <laughs> of that $10 million or something like that, you know, is still would be a is? ton. $10 million? Well, no, like a tiny, I have no idea what he's oh. going to leave, but. Oh, yeah. But my point is, is that a tiny, tiny, a rounding error for him is like $10 million, you know? We just watched this movie called The Ultimate Gift, or we watched it a couple months ago. It's old. And it's not like the highest quality movie, but it it's was like a kind Hallmark of, movie. Right? <laughs> yeah, it, is, it really is like a Hallmark movie. Basically, the grandfather died. He left his kids, you know, very random things because he knew how they were. And he was like, they're not going to change. But his grandson, he was like, if you want what I have to give you, then you are going to go through this series of events yeah. before... And it was just interesting. It. Yeah, he basically had to prove it because he thought, if I just give you this money, you'll have no character. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not going to ruin your life by giving you this money, basically. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was really interesting. Somebody said, uh, parents should make sure it's more of a hand up than a hand out. I like that. I think that's really yeah. well said. All right. I'm going to wrap Kim. this up with this kind of conclusion here. He's got a little bit here that oh, I think okay. is a good way to end this. He said, in our present time, many people find themselves already drowning in large amounts of debt. This can seem overwhelming and very discouraging. If this is your case, take courage. God is with you. And if you apply these five secrets to your life, you'll be shocked at how quickly your external circumstances can turn around, which I was just saying, Mm -hmm. you know, he agrees. That's great. He said, we've seen so many times that as you take small, simple, natural steps, you can expect God to meet you with large, supernatural steps. Mm -hmm. He said, one of the favorite strategies of the devil is to keep you focused on what you do not have and what you can't do. The key to actually changing your financial experience in life is to change your focus from what you don't have to what you do have. And this was kind of the whole point of secret number two. So if you didn't see that one, definitely go check that one out. I think that one, to me, was like standout one of the whole book. But that idea of just taking what's in your hand, taking what you do have and doing what you can with that. Mm -hmm. So this being like the boy with the loaves and fishes, it's Mm -hmm. like this is all we have in the natural. This is not enough to take care of 5,000 men and women, you know, or men and then additional women or whatever the thing is. It's not enough. It's not enough in the natural. But this is what I have. And let's see what God can do with Mm -hmm. that. And that's a great place to be. Yeah. Amen. We create a new YouTube channel for our podcast, but if you go to seedtime.com forward slash live, L-I-V-E, then it will take you to that channel and you can see all five of these, what are these podcasts? (laughs) All five of these secrets are on there. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, we're not sure what we're going to be doing next week. I don't know if we'll start another book or whatever, but... We'll yeah, be here. Come hang out. We'll be here. We'll figure something out. <laughs> we'll go from there. If we figure something out before then, which we will, we'll try to post it on Instagram. So be sure to follow yeah. us over there. Instagram, just look up Seed Time yeah. and you'll find us. Have a great evening and we'll see you soon. Bye.